Hello and welcome to another Writer's Bookshelf. Writer's Bookshelf with me, David Driver, and brought to you by the Gingerlicious Company and obviously the, the uh, broadcasting over Podbean. It is, of course, a podcast now and I'm sure you'll be aware we are well. We're in, just coming now to the end of uh, January. I can't believe it. It's not long ago since I was saying Happy New Year. Well, Christmas, New Year, and before long, when you're listening to this episode of the Writer's Bookshelf, it will probably be the last Tuesday in uh, the well, one of the last coming towards the end, last Tuesday in um, <coughs> excuse me in January, which time just flies by. And talking of time, by the time we get to July, goodness me, the podcast will be. Um, the podcast will be uh, will be one that will be one year old. I um, I can't believe it. Where where does as I keep saying where where does time go? The weather the weather is not too good. As I always say, we are broadcasting broadcasting from the UK. I'm in the north of the UK, and yet again, it is it's dark outside. I'm recording this evening for this episode. The rains come back. It doesn't take much, but I'm going to start things off by saying, hello Spain, viva la España. We've had a download, we've had a listener in Spain, so hello to you. And as I have said, as I have said on the last episode, get in touch, let me know who you are. Virginia and Oregon, you seem to be listening to the podcast, and Scotland, and of course England. Is uh, England has the most uh, the most listeners at the moment, followed by, I have to say, America, USA, yes, as a second most listeners, followed by Scotland, and we have a lone wolf or possibly a lone family, in uh, in Spain, and talking of talking of uh, of special things happening, special guests on the Writers Bookshelf podcast. The next episode, or within the next couple of episodes, I'm hoping I can get each recorded and uh, and get it all edited and, and loaded up for for the next one. So not so when you listen to this one, the following episode should be with one of my uh, oldest long one of my longtime friends within the poetry and uh, and writing world. Some of you might know this gorgeous lady from. Uh, from the radio days but if you are listening um, or especially over over in the USA Oregon and Virginia or maybe in Scotland or maybe um, in Spain you might not know her she goes by the name of Samar Shadad what a gorgeous lady indeed yes Persian or Iran as we call it now she writes the most beautiful poems and she's been off the scene been off the scene a little bit and I've been trying to contact her. We did see a little bit more of each other. And what I mean by that is on the open mic and sort of book events, author events, that sort of thing. She's taking a little bit of a, a rest, if you like, because she'll be telling you all about it. Hopefully, touch wood. Goodness me, touch wood. You can hear me banging in the studio there. Um, she'll be in the Gingerlicious Studios in the not-too-distant future. 
and um, yeah, you are going to love it. Not only speaking English, but Farsi. I do hope I have uh, pronounced that right. Is it Farsi or Farsi? I'm sure you'll find out. And uh, it is absolutely brilliant stuff indeed. So listen out for that one. It may well even be a double episode because the the good thing is that the real sort of jokey thing, and I'm laughing now to myself, is I, I try and... Um, keep the episodes to an hour maximum the ideal time is 40 45 minutes i think we've got a few episodes which have been about an hour or just over um and when the radio when the radio where format was working it was three hours simply because and the news and sometimes the weather and travel and that sort of thing and music completely different format but i can guarantee you now that when myself and samai get together I think I've got a very, very distinct feeling it may have to be episode one and episode episode two. And why? Because uh, I think we talk too much. And I think, to be honest, let's hope it goes down well. I have interviewed Samar um, before. And she's, well, let's, let's just see what happens. So just just keep your eyes your eyes and ears to the ground. And... Um, Tune in, tune in to the, to the next episode. Well, tune in to all the next episodes or the following episodes. Update and update on the um, on the radio plays. If you are on um, any social media, um, I have been working long and hard on uh, a couple of new projects. The Purple Orchid of Ulysses Goyle, which is a um, it's a one-off play, radio play, if you like. So it's a radio play, a podcast play, shall we, shall we call it. Um, it started life as a uh, as a short story many years ago. I've adapted it to um, a, a podcast or, or radio play, and recordings of that of that. We did a little bit of recording before the at the end of uh, last year, and my good friend. I'm not going to mention people's names at the moment. But uh, I've got a good friend coming in. Um, oh, go on then. Um, my good friend Kate Hames is uh, is coming in. Singer, songwriter, poet, writer, many, many, many things. And it, this week, obviously this week, but probably about th- about three days after I'm recording this. So you'll be listening to the podcast on Tuesday. And on the Friday, we, we are continuing uh, recording for that. I'm really excited. I can't. I just want to finish it in the, in the blink of an eye, but you can't. You've got to work at these things. And the following week, some more recordings are taking place, and then the brilliant, brilliant John Spence will uh, will piece it together. So that's a one-off uh, podcast or, or radio play. Um, in, it's horror. It's a bit of dark horror, really. Um, and Wicked Female Killers. You might have, uh, might have uh, heard something. If, if you're on Facebook or some of the other social media sites you might have heard or you might have seen the artwork by Brian Ledgard and the brilliant piece of music provided by John Spence but um, we are I have penned three um, three three stories if you like three monologues and about halfway through the uh, the fourth one and recordings recordings for that are starting tomorrow goodness me so all, all of a sudden just seem to have a number of projects. I just think you're going to be 
thinking, wow, this is brilliant because we've got the purple orchid of Ulysses Goyle and we've got wicked female killers. The wicked female killers will be continuous throughout the year um, and just keep penning penning those radio plays, uh, you know, podcast plays, whatever, monologues. And um, I'm sure you're going to love them. So I'm really excited about that. Um, if you want to, if you want to follow me, I mean, I'm on, I know obviously this is a podcast. Um, I'm on Facebook. If you want to get in touch, it's David Driver Author on Facebook. I'm also, I'm also on Instagram. David, they all come under David Driver Author. And the reason behind that is the little village I live in, Silsden, there's actually two or three. There's three of us now, David Drivers, a little bit of confusion. And I used to run other different, well, different sites. And I just thought to myself, well, yes, it's David Driver Author. It just brings things together. And when I wanted the the um, yeah, the domain the domain name, some of the domain names that I, I I wanted were taken or obviously not available. So David Driver author, it's not me. So trying to be something that you might think, or you know, who who does he think he is? It's um, it just makes it easier for uh, you know for people to uh, to find out where I am. So if you look on Facebook, David Driver author, look on uh, look on Instagram, David Driver author, and if you get yourself on the website, it's DavidDriverAuthor.com, and you can get in touch with me and find out just a little bit more about what I uh, I do, which is good good stuff. So pl- please get in touch. Okay, this episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of um, some of my book reviews, and book reviews are just opinions really i've got for those that have been to the studio i'm not a hoarder but i always find it hard to leave books to give them away my youngest daughter and my gorgeous wife always seem to so recycle these and take them down to the supermarket or these places where you can just you know pass them on to someone else and i sort of have memories attached to books so i'm going to call it the magnificent seven i've got seven books different sort of genres you'll be uh, let, let's see what you think they're only my opinion and you might think to yourself what is um what's david reading and what does he like to read just randomly the, the side of me now and yes the cup of tea is i'd like to flit between tea and coffee and i do think now this is where i will curse myself i'm not coughing and spluttering at the moment and now i'm going to say over the last two or three certainly the last two episodes, I've been saying me cough and had a drink at the side of me. I don't seem to be doing that at the moment, although I've got a nice cuppa. Okay, let's see what uh, let's see what happens. James Herbert Moon, goodness me, I'm sure some of you have have uh, read this one. It's um, let's see what it says. It said the nightmare begins before you sleep. He had fled from the terrors of of his past finding refuge in the quietness of the island. And for a time, he lived in peace. Until the sightings began. Visions of horror seeping into his mind like poisonous tendrils. Violent acts that were hideously macabre. The thoughts becoming intense. He witnessed the grotesque of another thing a thing that glorified in murder and mutilation a monster that soon became aware of the observer within 
its own mind and relished contact. A creature that would eventually come to the island to seek him out. Guaranteed to give you nightmares, the Daily Mail is telling us. So if that's on your um, James Herbert, one of the kings of horror, and I do believe he penned rats. So if that tickles your fancy, that's where you want to be. And a little bit more information. I've just read you the blurb on the back. It may well be that um, some of you out there have read all these books. Some of you might not like a particular author, but it just, in a way, it gives you an insight into what I'm reading, what I like, and that sort of thing. And, you know, you might be just tuned in and thinking, I want to try something else. I'll just try that book and um, or that author. Jobs are gone, as we say in Yorkshire. Um, it goes on to say a little bit about Moon um, and says James Herbert. Um, James Herbert is not just Britain's number one best-selling writer of chiller fiction, a position he has held ever since publication of his first novel, but is one of our greatest popular novelists, whose books are sold in 33 foreign languages, including Russian and Chinese. Widely imitated and hugely influential, his 20 novels, it's probably more than that now, I'm just reading what it says, his 20 novels, or possibly more, have sold more than 48 million copies worldwide. Excellent stuff. And if you want to find out a little bit more about James Herbert, and I'm sure all you horror fans know about him anyway, we've got The Rats. I mentioned that. The Fog. What a fantastic film that is as well. The Survivor. Fluke. A Liar. Shrine. Domain. The Magic Cottage. Haunted. Um and The Ghosts of Sleeth, to name a few. Graphic novels of the city. Um, so, get yourself out there and try a little bit. That's what I'm reading. Um, that Well, that's what I've read, sorry. And uh, you can hear me flicking through the pages. If you, all of a sudden, my sort of voice, you think, it's just gone a little bit different, or... What's he doing? You can hear me spinning round on the chair and picking the books up and flicking through. What's that one? Listen to this. That's the pages of um, Raymond E. Feist and William Fortune, um, Honoured Enemy and its Legends of Rift War, going into the realms of fantasy. Now, most of you will be thinking Raymond E. Feist, yes, the brilliant author, American author of Magician and rift war set in a pure a purely fictitious world um and what i tend to do is i when you go to a bookstore a bookshop some of these books i can remember when i I bought them from some of them obviously i cannot um and i think these i think the the, this one the the uh, honored enemy legends of rift war and um moon by james herbert Possibly it would have been bought from two, either one of either two places. We go to Whitby twice a year for the Goth Fest, a wonderful bookshop, Whitby bookshop, on the cobbles up, up the, on the cobbles up to the Abbey, and I do tend to buy books from there. Or failing that, it could have been one of our our London trips. We haven't been down to London for a couple of years. Um, 
there's some fantastic books bookshops bookstores down there um so it's, it may well be um a one-off book I tend to buy one book if i go to whitby go to the golf weekend and probably buy a book um and also it's just sometimes splash out when i go down to london and go a little bit crazy because you walk past them more than once and you keep buying them um let's see what we've got here praise for raymond e feist tons of intriguing action the publishers weekly is telling us epic score vivid imagination a significant contribution to the field of fantasy that is what the washington post state okay it says that um okay a raft a raft's marauders i always have to have you noticed if you like fantasy and uh, and horror when the author um dreams up a wonderful names if you're reading it on your uh, on your own and you've got the voice in your head um it's okay but then sometimes and i think it is acceptable it's not like saying david or fred or margaret or gladys where you know that is the name sometimes when they are so it's unusual inventive names you think to yourself what does that say and when you're doing a podcast and recording you think to yourself i'll have to try and get it right but i'm going to call it harafs marauders uh, a crack band of kingdom raiders trained to infiltrate and fight behind enemy lines currently heading for a frontier garrison after a disastrous encounter with uh, sarani soldiers Meanwhile, a Sarani patrol is sent to support an assault on the same garrison. The two sides arrive simultaneously and discover the garrison has been overrun by a horde of Moredhel. Circumstances force them to band together to survive. But who do they hate the most? The Dark Elves or each other? as they make their way across the unknown Northlands to freedom. They struggle not only with the elements and their enemies, but also also their consciousness. For what, sorry, for what is more important, one's life or one's honour? Da-da-da! Goodness me. Okay. Um, just give you... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this because if, I suppose really, if you're to get into a little bit of fantasy, and I'm sort of tempted to read this one again, I've read it for a long time, it's, it, it falls into the category of, of you know, some people call it sort of epic fantasy, and when you're looking at people like Raymond E. Feist, I mean, this particular book is, is only shy of 300 pages, just over 300 pages long. Excuse me, so it's not a bad read, and it's fairly moderate for some epic fantasy but when it says there legends of rift war what you'll find with this type of book is it's possible you might have book one book two um and you'll come across different characters because i suppose you could look at them as as standalone novels but then some of them as i've said will be in a series and go in order and when authors write things like this um you, you're just drifting in and out of uh, different characters come and go and obviously the author will write more if if the um you know if the character is uh, is is quite popular. So it's so it's good stuff, and it just sets new worlds. And I, and I don't I think really there's a little bit of map in there. 
it's um, it's possibly a bit like you're going to map, a bit like with Tolkien and you know that sort of thing. And I do like it, and uh, I think you should try it. Okay, let's get a bit educational now. Goodness me, I've got not just one Aldous Huxley book, I've got two. Oh yes, we're very educated here. Now I, I seem to think. Let's have a look here. These two, these two are definitely um, London. I have, um, I, I have a couple of old, well, not older books, but older versions. Not not first copies, but I have some some uh, early copies of Aldous Huxley books. Some of them can be a little bit heavy going, if you like. Um, I'm sure people that. Um, that have read that will know what I'm talking about. So, The Perennial Philosophy by Aldous Huxley. And for those that are thinking, how do you spell that? You might be tuned in or listening in uh, in foreign lands. Goodness me. A-L-D-O-U-S, Huxley, H-U-X-L-E-Y. Obviously, the author of Brave New World. And New York Times are telling us the most needed book in the world, a masterpiece. Um, it goes on to say that Aldous Huxley, 1894 to 1963, is the author of the classic novels Brave New World, Island, Eyeless, and Gaza, and The Genius and the Goddess, as well as such critically acclaimed uh, non-fiction work as The Devils of London, of Loudon, uh, Loudon. Now again, that don't think I'm saying London. That's L-O-U-D-U-N. Uh, and the Doors of Perception. Born in Surrey, England and educated at Oxford, he died in Los Angeles, California. Um, okay, I'll give you a little bit of a clue. It says the perennial philosophy um, Aldous Huxley writes may be found um, among the traditional law of peoples in every region of the world and in its fully developed forms um, it has a place in everyone of the higher religion so just let me say try and give you a little snippet of this one possibly I do not want to put you off um, okay it says here that um, philosophia prenis the phrase was coined by Leibniz but the thing the metaphysic that recognises divine reality substantial to the world of things and lives and minds. Wow. Get yourself there. You will not be you will not be disappointed. Second one, this is vintage Huxley. The doors of perception. Okay. It says concise, evocative, wise and above all humane. The Doors of Perception is a masterpiece again, Sunday Times. A um, little bit of blurb on the back. One spring morning in 1953, Aldous Huxley uh, took four-tenths of a gram of mescaline, sat down and waited to see what would happen. When he opened his eyes, he found everything, from the flowers in a vase to the creases in his trousers, was completely transformed. He described his experience with breathtaking um, intimacy, uh, intimacy and in the doors of perception, 
um, in, his, in its sequel, Heaven and Hell, he goes on to explore the history and nature of mysticism, still bristling with a sense of excitement and discovery. These illuminating and influential writings remain the most fascinating accounts of the visionary experience ever written. So maybe you could have a go. Um, maybe you could have a go at that. Um, I'm just flicking through. Yeah, been a while since I've read that one. Keep going. Double Aldous Huxley. Okay, I'm, I'm laughing at this next one because I'm a little bit upset about this last one. This next one, sorry. It's got a little bit of water damage. And I know why, because in in the in the studios in front of me, it's a bookshelf. If you've been here, you've got the speakers on there. And before the speaker lived there, I've moved it the I've moved things round in the uh, moved things round in in the studio and I had a big vase on there, the lovely big so like rubber plant type thing. And it, it went a bit crazy. I thought, wow. And then it just it, it died died um i don't know why some some things can do that got a, another similar type thing in there and that's absolutely flowering like a tree it could be jack and the beanstalk before long um i had a bit of a mishap so i had a bit of water i actually forgotten about that um and then just you can just see a little bit of water damage under the speaker so i'm looking at this particular bookshelf and i uh, i've taken a few books off which i'm obviously sharing with you um this evening and now this one, 100%, this book, 100%, bought in Whitbit from Whitbit Bookshop. It's a little hardback, um, and it's by Edward Ga uh, Edward Gorey, The Ghastly Crumb Tinies. And I actually fell in love with this book, uh, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It's brilliant. But I opened it up, and I thought, goodness me, those pages don't seem right. A little bit of discolouring, um, and it's got a bit of water on it. It hasn't... It's just stained more than anything else. It's not, um, it doesn't really damage, well, it has damaged it, but not um, not in a bad way. I would encourage anyone, if you do have a sense of humour, there's many of us still left with a sense of humour in this world. If you, for adults, it's such a real giggle and a real laugh, you know, read it. And if you've got children or grandchildren, and possibly they have, a sense of humour you will not go disappointed and it goes through it goes through the alphabet there's some wonderful wonderful um did you know up there um it's um it's a wonderful book and there's some wonderful little um pictures in there what, what i call ink drawings just black and white you know just brilliant um, and it starts off, A is for Amy, who fell down the stairs. Um, <laughs> and it says, B is for Basil, assaulted by bears. C is for Clara, who wasted away. Um, let's have a look here. Where's the D gone? Goodness me, D is for Desmond, thrown out of a sleigh. E is for Ernest, who choked on a peach. I'm actually going to read all these out now. I'll tell you why. So I can undo all the pages. F is for Fanny. Sucked dry by a leech. Goodness me. G is for George. Smothered under a rug. What else have we got here? G. We've got H. H is for Hector. Done in. 
by a thug. Goodness me, you thug. Um, I is for Ida, who drowned in a lake. J is for James, who took a lie by mistake. K is for Kid, who was struck with an axe. I'm laughing in a really dark sense of where I shouldn't really be laughing, but I find it funny. Um, L is for Leo, who swallowed some tacks. M is for Maud, who swept out, who was swept out to sea. And where's the end gone? It's here. Can't get it open. N is for Neville, who died of ennui. O is for Olive, run through with an all. Goodness me. And you can't wait for it, can you? P is for Prue, trampled flat in a brawl. Q is for Quentin, who sank in a mire. R is for Rhoda, consumed by a fire. S is for Susan, who perished of fits. Let's have a look here. Come on, T. Where are you? T is for Titus, who flew into bits. U is for Una, who slipped down a drain. Let's have a look here. What's going on here? V is for Victor squashed under a train. W is for Winnie embedded in ice. Here we go. Good as me. X is for Xerx devoured by mice. Y is for Yorick whose head was knocked in. And Z is for Zilla who drank too much gin. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you for sticking with me. On that one, just because you could feel my annoyance, do you sometimes find that where it can be very precious, um, very precious over books, in the sense that I think well, if you've got some sort of scribblings, I, I have sort of jotters, I have like little pads, little notepads, you scribble things on there, fine. I have little jotters that are probably a bit cheap and cheerful, those are fine. And then sometimes, if you splash out, if you go for a, a bit of a go out to somewhere a little bit posh and you have nice coffee and cake and you're a little bit cultured and civilised and you buy a beautiful sort of hardback book, don't you, all lined and you get your best pen and get your best pen out and they are, you're very protective over that and the same can be said for books so a newspaper, you might buy a daily newspaper and it's discarded and then you might buy a magazine and you keep it for so long and you, it, you know, you might throw it out or recycle it, whatever. And paperback books, some are a bit more precious than others. And hardback books, but certain books you think you like it. Is it hardback book? Is it special to you? Get very protective if they get damaged. What can we do? Okay, this one again, I know exactly where this one's from. It is, of course, it goes with the title of Daughter of Fu Manchu. I do have a little bit of a, a bit of a, a thing for Fu Manchu, and I think it goes back to my childhood. The Fu Manchu books uh, is a brainchild of Sax Aroma, and that is spelled, if you don't know, S-A-X, Sax Aroma, R-O-H-M-E-R. And there's a whole plethora of books out there. And the villain himself, the Oriental villain, has been portrayed on uh, in, in film, Christopher Lee, you probably remember from the 60s, um, and various other people have uh, have um, portrayed him on the big screen. I believe, 
and I am not going to say I'm 100% certain, but I believe it could have been a radio drama as well. Um, and I think that that is where it sort of comes from. Um, as in, as a as a younger person, what as a as a kid really watching films, you know, before all this sort of Netflix and big cinema productions, all this Hollywood now. Um, obviously, on TV, I used to. I just sort of liked the the Fu Manchu films, the you know the villain and and uh, and that sort of thing, and that's where it first started. And then I thought to myself, I hadn't read any of the books, but I came across some down in London in in one of the brilliant bookshops down there, and and yes, you can get all the uh, obviously the bit hardback covers and collections, all different things going along. Um, I went into this particular bookshop. I've, I've I've got this one daughter of Fu Manchu, and they get sort of republished and and make them a bit fancy and stuff like that. And I've just went in went in this bookshop um, one particular day, and all the paper they've an all a range of um, paperbacks. So I keep buying. Oh, I have bought two or three at a time. And I just think they're, they're pretty good if you like that sort of. Um, I say you've got you've got you've got Fu Manchu who is the the criminal mastermind from the East, and I suppose really when you're liking it to the same sort of format, I think as so it's like a Bond villain if you like. He's a classic villain, obviously from the from the he's Chinese, you know, he's, he's the Orient he, he, from the Orient. He wants to take over the world, evil man. He could henchmen, he's got very evil daughters and that sort of thing, and all these things that be operating in London um, as, as you know, one of the cities. And then you've got sort of Scotland Yard and you know detectives, uh, Neil and Smith. So you've got that sort of Bond Bond villain, and you've got that sort of Sherlock Holmes Moriarty type of relationship. And I, I just like it, and it it always it always conjures up. Um, I think for me. I, I mean, obviously, I don't live in London. I think as a northerner, it's a bit stereotypical. I like to go down for, you know, four or five days a week at the most, and that's it. But um, I just like the grand, the grandiose of uh, of London and the cab rides and the hotels and all this. And when you're sort of thinking about, um, say, Fu Manchu and all his henchmen, have these image, all this imagery comes into my mind. And I think I've always liked a connection with the with the East, um, and I don't know why, um, I brought it out sometimes in, in short stories, and um, in one particular, one one particular uh, short story I've just penned, in, in fact, is part of uh, Wicked Female Killers, you have to wait for that one, that has a connection with uh, with the East. Um, so yeah, get in there, and it's just saying that, imagine a person, uh, tall, lean, and feline, high-shouldered, with a brow, uh, like Shakespeare and a face like Satan. Um, it says London 1913, the era of Sherlock Holmes, Dracula and the Invisible Man. A time of shadows, secret societies and dens filled with opium addicts. Into this world comes the most fantastic emissary of evil society has ever known. Um, Fu Manchu is the undisputed king of all evil masterminds and that's Jonathan Mabry from the New York Times um, and it goes on to Farlo Sui uh, daughter of Fu Manchu 
forgive me for my pronunciation, um, as far as the world knows, Fu Manchu is dead, um, leaving a vacuum within the League of Assassins, known as the Saifan, or Sifan, that's S-I-F-A-N, into the void steps the daughter of the devil, whose machinations are every bit as deadly as those of her infamous father. Um, brilliant stuff. Just try... Um, let's have a look. Just let me... I think it might be. I mean, other books include... This is the daughter of... This is the daughter of Fu Manchu. We've got um, The Mystery of Dr. Fu Manchu, The Return of Dr. Fu Manchu, um, and The Hand of Fu Manchu, Mask of, Bride of, Trail of, President Fu Manchu, Drums of Fu Manchu. So they all are, uh, are pretty good stuff. And it goes on to say... Um, it just it just says that the uh, uh, Fu Manchu remains the most definitive diabolical mastermind of the 20th century. Um, the true king of the pulp mystery is Sax Roma, and the shining ruby in his crown is without a doubt his Fu Manchu stories. Um, and it also goes on to say, um, without Fu Manchu, we wouldn't have Doctor No, obviously um, James Bond. Doctor Doom or Doctor Evil, Sax Roma created the first truly great evil mastermind. So I'm sure that many of you will connect. Okay, final book up, and this also, you've guessed it, we're back in Whitby, <coughs> Whitby Bookshop, and it's Walter Moore's, and that is M O E S, Walter Moore's Wild Ride Through the Night. Um, and it says it's a brilliant, brilliant um, book. Very easy read if you like. Um, wonderful art, wonderful artwork. Um, it says Walter Moores was born in 1957. <coughs> Excuse me, and as a celebrated writer's, sorry, and as a celebrated celebrated writer, cartoonist, painter, and sculptor, the 13 and a half lives of Captain Blue Bear became an international bestseller. And he lives in Hamburg. Um, it's about... I'll give you the blurb on the back. I, this is what I call my Cheer Me Up book. And I read somewhere that um, it's good to completely... Just read something completely out of your genre or your taste and just go a little bit wild and just try something different. And I'll tell you why I got this book. And so, right, go for it, David. Um, what is that about? Some wonderful artwork, which obviously drew me to the book, and I thought, go on, let's go for this. Fl flick through it, read a couple of pages, skim read, look at the artwork, and I thought, that is for me. So it, possibly, if you're on a train, on a bus, and if you don't get drawn into a novel and you get put off, I'm pretty certain for all of you avid readers out there, you could rattle through this very, very easily. The artwork will cheer you up. And the narrative will keep you glued. It's brilliant stuff. It tells you on the back there's more monsters than a Hogwarts menagerie. Um, sufficient bizarre encounters to rival Gulliver's Travels. A sparkling treasure trove. Um, it says using 21 drawings from the work of Gustave Dore. Um, the most successful illustrator of the 19th century. Walter Moore has created a wondrous and utterly delightful tale. Um, in a world between legend and dream, 
in a time between childhood and adulthood, a wild ride through the night describes the exhilarating comic adventures of 12-year-old Gustav, a boy who aspires one day to be the great artiste. But before he can achieve this, Gustav must first tackle mysterious giants and a Siamese uh, twins tornado. He also finds himself encountering the most monstrous of all monsters, uh, freedom maiden from the claws of a dragon, riding through a forest full of ghosts and meeting a dream princess, a talking horse, scantily clad Amazons uh, and even his own self, having made a wager with death for nothing less than his life and his soul, he must travel from the earth to the moon and back in a single night. It's well worth a read, so don't let me down. Well, sadly, that is the end of another episode of the Writer's Bookshelf. But as I am beginning to say, one of my new catchphrases, if you like what you have been listening to, tell all your friends about the podcast and keep downloading. And I certainly will be speaking to you on the next episode. But for now, take care, keep the love and keep weaving your words of magic Thank you for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye for now.